like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and today uh, Josie Snyder is going to talk with me. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. That's Josie. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I haven't seen or talked to you in real, in, like face-to-face in forever. Lots of Facebook talking. Um, So Josie and I both really love uh, classic literature, classic books, books in general. And I recently did my annual November reread of Little Women. And and there's several points in the book Little Women that um, I remember being very powerful for me as like, I think it was 11 when I first read it, 10 or 11. And I, I have like sort of a a visceral memory of of that whenever I reread it but also um I connect it to how I am with children now and um and so I thought it would just be interesting to talk with you Josie about books we've read that have sort of shaped or formed or impacted or reminded us of being with children as we are grown-ups now I would love to do that. I was going to say, does that sound like what you signed up for? It does. It does sound like what I signed up for. Um, And you are far more prepared than me because I I do not do an annual reread of Little Women, but I do have to watch it every Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's one of those Um, movies. It's not actually a Christmas movie, but is a Christmas movie. But it opens with a Christmas scene. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do that, too. Um, It doesn't get packed away with the Christmas movies, um, but it gets watched at Christmas. So it's, it's, it's borderline Christmas movie for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't think honestly, I was going to be able to get through the reread this year because the pandemic has us all in such a weird emotional place. Yes. And I haven't seen my Josie Mm -hmm. youngest child, Josie Mm -hmm. since February. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So I read like a couple chapters and I was wrecked. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm crying in the tub reading Little Women. That's a hard mom book if you yeah. have not seen your child I since know. February. And she calls, they call me Marmy 
And mm-hmm. so I was like, ah. but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And I read the book. I mean, I'm not over it. I still miss <laughs> Josie, but, um, but I read the book and it was delightful. So, um, so let me just, because we have to have a quote to start the show. Of course, let me do one of these things. So this is when, um, uh, Joe is, Joe March is thinking about, uh, so she works for her aunt March. She's thinking about the uncle who died, who used mm-hmm. to be married to Aunt March and her memories of being in his study. So she said, it says, Joe remembered the kind old gentleman who used to let her build railroads and bridges with his big dictionaries, tell her stories about the queer pictures in his Latin books and buy her cards of gingerbread whenever he met her in the street, um, which made me want to build railroads and bridges with books. Yes. <laughs> like now as a 50 year old woman reading this book again. Um, but it, I do think about, and, and I think we talked about this when we did that episode with Jeff and Lisa about our favorite characters. We talked mm-hmm. about Marmy, but we, I think I also shared um, that uh, Little Men, actually the sequel was very formative for my ideas of progressive education, even mm-hmm. though I didn't know that's what was happening. And like, there've been times that I read Jane Eyre and I think I read about how Jane is as a as a student and then as a governess and so all these things are constantly tying for me from what I'm reading to to my practice and I don't know if that's necessarily causation (laughs) but it made me think who else could talk to me about this maybe who else does this kind of thing well and I think maybe it's Josie I think you know even though I think we absorb from a very early age what we read and it does make an impact on who we become sure and maybe there's not a direct correlation but those things are always Uh there in the back of your mind yeah and if you're reading little women for the first time as an 11 year old (laughs) you know you draw you draw from that and it stays with you and you know do you want to be a marmy or do you want to be an aunt march Aunt March, poor, unhappy, poor, unhappy Aunt March, miserable, rich Aunt March. Um, I do really very vividly remember. So in Little Men, um, she has a school like Mm -hmm. she opens this boarding school for for boys that everyone else has kind of given up on and um, and a couple of rich ones to make sure the business can go. Um, but one of the things that she does is she has like a meeting each week with the, with the boys and their little boys um, where they sit in this chair together. And she has a little notebook where she's written about what she's noticed about them that week. And um, if there was misbehavior, she gently talks through it with them and stuff. And I do remember being very young and thinking that's how I want to be. Mm-hmm. That's how I want to handle that kind of thing when I have children. Um, so I, I think there is some subconscious and subconscious some conscious stuff that flows through that i mean absolutely and this is not classic literature at all that's okay but um but you know i remember being a kid in the early 90s watching the magic um magic school bus yeah and who doesn't want to be a teacher like Miss Frizzle? Yeah. And I think part of me going into education was just because that always looked like so much fun. Uh-huh. And when I was teaching fifth grade, my favorite thing to teach was science. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to 
avoid the textbook as much as possible. And, you know, that I think that show really impacted, I mean, obviously we couldn't go on a magical field trip to the moon, but (laughs) I I tried to make things as hands-on as much as possible. So yeah. So maybe it's more cultural influences and less characters from classic literature, but for, for each of us, that might be coming from a different place. Um, So I, this is sort of tangentially related, but there was a, so do you know the, the, I, am I the asshole threads Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, on Reddit mm -hmm. and stuff? So there was one AITA, I guess is what, what the kids call it. But um, there was one that I read that this guy was like, am I the asshole for um, expecting my, my girlfriend is a preschool teacher and she dresses like Miss Frizzle. And I just think she should be more professional and presentable and um, stop being so weird. Am I the asshole? <laughs> a resounding yes. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. You, you are indeed the asshole. <laughs> she needs to get out <laughs> and find someone who appreciates her Miss Frizzleness. Well, getting back to classic yeah, sorry, literature. Bring us back. Bring no, us back. no, 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 no. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, let's take your example of Joe in the library. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, later on that influenced her progressive education. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do the opposite. And let's talk about how you can mess kids up. Oh, my God. Yeah, sure. And, which is, I, I would say the majority of classic literature is about how you've messed up right your children right and let's go with my personal favorite weathering heights oh my god i'm rereading that right now yay <laughs> yay See, now, i know that's a- people are like oh it's a classic love story no it's not. no it's, it's not a, it's a very violent sad dark story it's yes with some messed up love in it <laughs> but I mean, yes you know, the book the book starts out with um catherine's father bringing home this perhaps orphan perhaps a bastard child of his yeah. this yes this, uh, this this little this little boy uh-huh. and you know the first few years of their life they are running free on the moors they're kind of wild feral having a good good old time mm-hmm. and then mr earnshaw dies yeah and Catherine. <laughs> yeah sorry guys sorry for all those people lining up to read weathering heights for the first time you know if you haven't read it by now <laughs> i don't think our podcast is what's going to make you Pick it up. Anyway, okay, yeah. Anyway, so then <laughs> Catherine's brother takes over their education and he hates Heathcliff and is jealous of him right. and more or less makes him a servant. And, you know, you think about the good that was, I mean, they didn't have much of an education. They were just, it, it was very much free range learning. Yes, uh, yes. You know, as they're exploring the moors all day. And how, I cannot remember her brother's name. What is it? Henley. Henley. Yeah. 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 Henley, how he just more or less beats that out of Heathcliff. Yeah. And leads Heathcliff to becoming the angry, vengeful man he is as an adult. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but even in the good times, you know, those, those good times when Catherine and and Heathcliff are out running the moors and free ranging it and being feral, there's a lot of abuse going on. Oh yeah. No, I mean, these are, these are not great people. That's (laughs) also why Kathy's kind of messed up. Um, And by kind of, I mean, entirely. Uh, I think that can be traced too, to just the, there's, it's, it's not like a benign neglect 
where, mm-hmm. oh, I want you to be happy. So go run free. It's they don't want to be at home because it's toxic and abusive yeah. and miserable. So they go and just spend as much time on the moors as they That's can true. every day. And they enjoy it. And it's beautiful when they're out there, but it's not, it's not go be free. My children. It's, That's true. If you stay in the house, I'm going to beat the crap out of you or the, let this weirdo servant beat the crap out of yeah. you and preach you scary things about his religion. But yeah, I was thinking, yeah, I, that was also because I'm, I'm just, I'm just to the point where Kathy and Edgar are married and Heathcliff comes back after being gone for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now they're getting ready to mess up a whole second generation. There is going to say now they're, they're ready to continue. Yes, and yes. you know, I think that book is also a great example of cyclical abuse. Yeah, absolutely. And how when we mess our children up, we are really messing up future generations. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And break and an, and they, and an example of breaking the cycle then, right? Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. um, that third generation comes in and uh, with Nellie's help, of course, the savior of the book um, sort of settled things down and, Mm -hmm. and, and we're left to think that, that all, everything's solved. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of terrible abuse in (laughs) classic literature, but it's the view of the child, right? It's a cultural view of the child at the time, I think. Um, you know, that was back in the scene and not heard and um, uh, children are property mm-hmm. kind of days. Not that not that we've completely let go of those kinds of things, but that was the prevalent idea at the time was that, um, you know, you're not important until you're an adult. And, and so what I do to you now doesn't matter because you're not important. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I always love those stories that break that mold a little bit. Uh-huh. Where you can you like like Little Women, where you can see that not every family was actually like that. Yes, yeah. You know, Little Women is so autobiographical that right. You you know you you see that Louisa May Alcott's family was progressive at the uh-huh. time. Everyone in that little con commune in Concord. Yes. Yeah, but I, I just read, oh, it was in the introduction. This is, I don't, who's who's this interesting to? Me. I just read in the introduction of this version of Little Women, because I also have to buy new versions sometimes, um, uh, mentioned that Louisa May Alcott's mom was actually kind of into witchcraft. Really? Well, that uh-huh. doesn't shock me. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that um, added another layer as I reread the book this time and and sort of knew that Marmee is Louisa's mom in real life, you know, and Bronze and Alcott. Um is, is the dad in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when I was taking oh, some class, maybe it was my educational psychology class in my bachelor's. Um, I think that we had to read about Branson Alcott's progressive philosophy as an educator. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to make those connections too then. Um, but that's just an aside. <laughs> No, no. You want to talk about some terrible Dickens children? Yeah, some let's talk Dickens about experiences. Um, so <laughs> everything, everything in a when, when a Christmas Carol is your most hopeful novel, and it starts 
or like 90% of it is an angry old man um, revisiting how he's been horrible his entire life. (laughs) That that really sets the tone. Right. right. There's the tone for Dickens. But even then, Scrooge was neglected as a kid, right? His mom dies. He gets sent off to school. He doesn't even get to come home for holidays, even though his sister begs for him to come home um, because his dad resents him so much. No wonder he turned out a piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. And I, I mean, that's, that is why Scrooge is a terrible person because he's dealing with all this emotional trauma that he's never right. had a chance to work right. through. Adverse childhood experiences. <laughs> this is, this is maybe a novel that um, only you and I have read. <laughs> hard times, mm-hmm. man, hard times. It's right is, there in the title. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a hard time. It's a this hard time. It's a book about hard times. You know, it's about children who are abused by the education system mm-hmm. and unions, I think. Right. I, I think should add is. that it's been probably 15 years since I've read this book. <laughs> However. Yeah. It's what came to mind when thinking about it. It came book. to mind because of when I read it. I read it for um, an English literature class my freshman year of college. So it's right about the same time that I'm starting my education classes and really thinking about myself as an educator. So I think that is why it's stuck out so much in my, in my mind. So Uh just for people who haven't read it, um, there's a character named Mr. Gradgrind, I think is Mr. Gradgrind. He is the headmaster of this school and he is very utilitarian. Uh, And it's all masters are the worst. They are. It's all about (laughs) facts. (laughs) And facts, facts, facts. And anytime a child tries to bring imagination into the classroom, they are shamed to the point of abuse. Yeah. And his own children are, are a product of this environment. And so not only do they receive it at school, they receive it at home. And as you can imagine neither of them turn out very well. (laughs) And um, it's only after he only changes, he only changes his philosophy after he realizes that he has done irrevocable, I can't say that word. Irrevocable. Thank you. Damage (laughs) to his own family. Uh Um, But even then it's kind of funny. It gets lampshaded at the end of the book because he wants to place i think it's faith hope and charity above facts uh-huh. and all the other teachers like harass him and he's <laughs> a laughing stock in his profession and you know i mean i would like to say that we're past this yeah but we're not right i mean i think there are some direct parallels with this story and the rise of standardized testing mm-hmm. and um, academic preschools yes we're so worried about facts 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 that we want to, you know, you got to know your ABCs. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know all of, you know, you need to know how to read by the time you start kindergarten. And we're crushing the imagination. We're crushing the fun. Yeah. And what are we doing to our children? Right. And for what purpose? Like for what purpose? It's completely. But so do you think that it is because people, maybe this is a loaded question, but is it because people really value facts and think that's important for children to know or because facts are just easier to measure 
than faith, hope, and charity (laughs) and all the other stuff. I think it's because facts are easier to measure, but I think, I mean, I can say this, but it goes, I think it goes to a really, I think we are a fearful society Uh and we have told parents that if their child doesn't know all these things, they're behind. Well, mm-hmm. what does behind mean? Right. Behind, you know, but, why. but we have created a culture where parents are terrified mm-hmm. that their kids are going to not be successful in life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it's that we value the facts themselves as it is the fear behind what happens if my child doesn't know these things, how right. will they ever, how will they ever, I don't know be a computer engineer, Mm -hmm. but what, you know, when we think about how careers are changing, I worry because everything, you know, because we are so many work or so many industries Mm -hmm. emphasize creativity. What happens when these children who have been raised on facts alone get out into the workforce and all of a sudden it's been grad grinded. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I can't, maybe it was Ray Pika who said um, something like, we don't even know what the jobs are going to be that we Mm -hmm. claim to be preparing them for in 20 Mm -hmm. years. And we're using a system that has been in place for a hundred years and thinking and telling ourselves that this is going to get them ready for jobs we can't even imagine Mm -hmm. yet. Like, it's just, it's, it's, I, I, I get that parents are fearful because that's what's been sold to them. Right. (laughs) You've got to, this is what your child needs to be, to be successful. Um, And they use that loaded language, like falling behind. Mm -hmm. Um, But in reality, we need children who have that creativity, that innovation, that um, permission to think and dream Mm -hmm. to be ready for those jobs. And I'm not saying it isn't important to know how to read. Sure. And to know how to do math. I mean, it is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's kind of the pr- point of this podcast. Right. Isn't it? Um, but we just, we don't want to lose the yeah. other things. And I think it's so interesting that as bleak of, as all of Dickens novels are, he knew that yeah. because there's the one little girl in the book who she was raised in a circus uh-huh. And somehow she becomes a ward of the grad grind family and they can never, they can never crush it in sissy. Uh-huh. And she's the one who grows up when the rest of the family has fallen apart. She's the one who kind of saves them all. Uh-huh. Yep. And even though it is a bleak book, I think that's a really hopeful message. The Dickens yeah. was leaving. Yeah, he, he did a, so, you know, um, so much of it came from his own childhood too, because he had basically been sold to a a bottle blacking factory at Mm -hmm. 10 years old or something um, uh, by his father and, and lived a lot of the mistreatment that he writes about. Um, So it's interesting when that hope comes out because Mm -hmm. um, you have to think where, where did that come from? And so even these terrible traumatic childhoods are not without hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we come in as early childhood people like I know that's one of the reasons that I do the work both because of the books that I liked that sort Mm -hmm. of shaped my thinking about the role an adult could play for a child but also because I didn't have that and so I wanted to be that you know it's that be who you were when who you needed when you were younger Mm -hmm. and so I sort of wonder if that's um where characters like sissy come from 
for for Dickens. Um, he, you know, pe- people make fun of him for his angel in the house, and women are <laughs> always good and holy, and they'll save you. Um, but Sissy did. She did save <laughs> him. And Dorrit did, mm-hmm. right? Well, Dorrit, she's the one who comes together, holds the family together in crisis, and then saves them all mm-hmm. at the end. And, you know, and I think as educators, it's a good thing for us to remember that we can't control the circumstances that the kids who come to us face Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. And I mean, life is hard. This has been a hard year, especially for so many people. Yes. And we can't control what happens at home. And even parents who are doing the very best they can, I mean, bad things, bad things still happen. Bad things still happen. Yeah. But we can create environments that are hopeful, Mm -hmm. that do encourage positive thinking. Yeah. And we can also be safe spaces when things suck and kids just need to express that. Mm -hmm. We can help. We, we are the ones there to help them work through it. And that's, that's a pretty powerful. Right. That's an honor, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. Really is. That's something to take very seriously, and I'm glad you said that. Um, because one of the things that sort of frustrates me sometimes when I'm talking with early childhood folks about working with families and children's home lives, um, it's so much about trying to fix that or trying to get. And and of course, if we can get a, a struggling family resources, sure. we should do that. Sure. But absolutely. But all. But we don't often think then. Okay, so then what? what should I have here? Because Mm -hmm. I know that that's there. So what should Mm -hmm. I have here and who can I be here to um, sort of buffer Mm -hmm. for that child whose circumstances we can't help and just take the judgment out of it. We don't know uh, why the things are hard at home and, and it doesn't matter. We can help them if we can help them. And then we be who we need to be for the children yeah. when they're with us. Exactly. And you know, those changes, even if we can help those changes don't happen overnight. Yes. So we have to be a support in the interim, even as things are getting better. Now, when I taught fifth grade, I taught in a title one school. And I think that judge not having, not judging is so important because mm-hmm. these parents, God, they love their kids. They loved their kids as much as, as anyone. Yeah. But life dealt them some circumstances and they didn't always make the best choices, Mm -hmm. but they were still doing the best they could. Yeah. And they didn't need us to sit there and be another authority figure, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Telling them everything that they've messed up. Yeah. On, they needed us. Grand grinding them. Exactly. They needed us. They needed us as a partner. Yes. They needed a marmy who was going to hold marmy. their hand. There and you help go. Them, help them yes. through it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so now I'm just thinking about Jane Eyre mm-hmm. um, because again, she was you know, orphaned young and taken in by an aunt who didn't want her. Um, there's a lot of orphaning in these, in these. Well, there were a lot of orphans back yeah. then. I mean, yeah, more but so I than today. Even symbolically, that could be now. I like, we could look at mm-hmm. that as, you know, children who don't have the support they need or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, she's treated terribly by her aunts and her cousins. 
has this terrible experience at school um, is just neglected and, and starved and everything. And then she goes to be a governess and she's, and she takes that experience and reflects on how she wants to be different Mm -hmm. for this girl that she's for Adele. And it's, it's a really sort of minor part of the story, but it's a part that stands out to me every time I read it because of, um, who I was as a child when I first read it and now who I am as a, as an early childhood, uh, hanger about her mm-hmm. <laughs> and um it's another example of it can uh it can break you or it can or you can break the cycle and and I I think that that's where a lot of folks are in early childhood they come in because they want to break a cycle mm-hmm. that they've been part of or that they've seen and what's interesting always every time I read that book for me with Jane and Adele is it would be very easy for Jane to not like Adele. Right. She is not necessarily a likable child. No, she's, <laughs> it, um, she's not drawn very well. <laughs> but at the same time, and, you know, she comes. She's questionable birth. and Questionable time. birth. I mean, she, she has. very prim and proper. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, she's very spoiled mm-hmm. compared to, you know, when you think about the, the bleak upbringing that Jane mm-hmm. had. However, I think Jane sees that Adele is also a victim of abuse yeah, and, and, yeah. and neglect in a lot right. of ways. Right. And, and it's so right. Adele's been spoiled by, and her neglect is that she was given things instead of people. Yes. She was given stuff instead of presents, uh, not gift presents, but quality time, quality presents, time yeah. presents. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Um, and, and Jane's able to see that and not hold the behavior mm-hmm. against the human being that she's, that she's there to, be, to help and teach and support. I love Jane. Me too. Me too. It's, been a long, it's been a long time since I've revisited that one. I need it to. has to be snowy out to read that one. Yes. There has to does. be a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the rule. I don't know why. This is, so this, this is completely, you go um, wherever you want to go now. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so what, what does it have to be like to read Pride and Prejudice? Um, Pride and Prejudice really has just become, um, I very rarely, so I'm a rereader. If that's not become Mm -hmm. clear, I very rarely reread that one from beginning to end. I kind of go to that when my brain is tired, but I still want to read and I, um, or I, you know, I've had kind of a crappy day and I just want a little comfort then I'll read a little bit of Pride and Prejudice um not because I don't love it but just that's absolutely that one serves for me um so really that could be Pride and Prejudice could be any any yeah it's 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 a springtime book is it Mm -hmm. yeah it has to be spring and it has to be kind of rainy you know you got to be able to go walk around in the mud yeah you do have to walk in the mud Uh uh-huh ankle deep in mud I Mm -hmm. believe is what you have to be to reread Pride and Prejudice (laughs) in your dainty boots um yeah and weathering heights used to be a summertime read um but i just wanted to read it so i'm reading it now in winter time it's just a good book anytime yeah yeah it is um oh anything else was there who else are we talking about gosh i mean i guess we could talk about the bennett family oh sure let's do that 
I love the Bennett family. I love the Bennett family too. Yeah. It's really almost like two separate family like the old the two of course this is no news to anyone the two older and the two younger mary's kind of just hanging around in the middle mm-hmm. trying to figure out which group she sits with oh mary but, classic um, middle child yeah she really was jane austen invented middle child syndrome when she wrote Pride and prejudice <laughs> um yeah so i think you don't get as much background like about we come into Pride and Prejudice, they're all pretty much all fully grown and we don't get to see how they got there. Um, but it's really clear that maybe Jane and um, Lizzie, I couldn't think of her name. <coughs> Bless me. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, have been more influenced by their father and the two younger have been more influenced by their mother. Well, that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. You can see that Mr. Bennett really checks out. By oh, the time absolutely. He gets to the younger right. girls. Right. Well, they're not boys, right? He just, they're... the only reason he kept having kids was because he needed a boy uh-huh. to keep the, mm-hmm. the, the estate in the family. So, he, yeah, he's very checked out. He, he's done yeah. at that point. So, really, the only influence they could have had was their mother, who is not um, the strongest. No. Woman but, in the world. but at the same time, those girls just kind of do what they, they just kind of do what they want. Mm hmm. And, um, you know, Lizzie brings up a good point, though. She says it would be very hard to be the youngest and have older sisters that were out in the world. Yeah. And um, have to wait. Have to, w- have to wait. Yeah. But I think the fact that maybe dad, who is the only voice of reason in the family, checks out mm-hmm. is kind of a cautionary tale. Because, there you go. <laughs> well, I guess I won't spoil the ending of Pride and Prejudice, but... Uh, <laughs> It becomes a big problem for him in the end yes. when he doesn't pay much attention to his kids. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, and so, and we don't even, you know, and, I, you know, it wasn't her, she didn't have to include this. It's Jane Austen. Um, but there's like nothing about their schooling. Did they go to a school mm-hmm. somewhere in the village? Did they have a governess? I think Lizzie says, some. Elizabeth says something like she hasn't had any, or had any lessons or anything mm-hmm. for a while or. Maybe she's talking about the piano or drawing or something. Um, so, so it's just them at home. <laughs> and, uh, and you don't know who else has been in there trying to guide and, and support and develop uh, those girls. But they're only girls, yeah. so it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, yeah, they're only girls, so who cares? Yeah. Um, sort of related uh they're trying to re-roof jane austen's home yes i saw that they're selling tiles you can donate and buy a tile and a friend of mine bought me a tile last night i was going to say do you have a tile now (laughs) my friend natalie messaged me at about 11 o'clock last night and said merry christmas i just donated a tile to the jane austen house i love it yeah so i guess i gotta go now and find my tile absolutely you do do they, do they like write, I mean, how are they doing it? How do you know which one's yours? Well, there, I don't know that you know which specific one is yours. It's just um, one of them. But you get a certificate and they put your name in the book in the house. Oh. As a donor of a time. Yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> if someday we can ever travel again. Right. We'll go, we'll go find my tile. Um, oh, I would love, I would love to do a literary tour. Right. Like I have. With. 
I have no wanderlust, but I want to go to uh, the Charlotte Bronte places, mm-hmm. and um, I want to wander the moor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would go see Jane's house. I, you know, this I, I mean, along with classic literature. Um, growing up, I was obsessed with uh, the Tudor court. Oh, uh-huh. and so, you know, I will tell you what, one of the best experiences of my life was being 19 years old at the Tower of London oh, and standing right, right on the green where they executed all of those oh, people. It was, <laughs> that would be amazing. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. The closest I've gotten is a friend of mine did a study abroad and lived in London for a year and um, taught in London a year. I guess she was not studying. She was teaching. Um, sent me a picture of Anthony Trollope's house in London, and he's mm-hmm. one of my other favorite authors. That's the closest I've gotten, but that was also fun. I just found that when I was going through all my old books to decide what to keep and what to give away. That Aww. picture fell out, and it was great. That is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, any last things you got to get in? No, I think that was so fun. I think we, I I think we the hit- listeners think it was fun because I had so much fun. <laughs> we'll have to start a book club or something yes yes tie them specifically or make this a series of podcasts i was gonna say now now that i'm sitting here talking about i'm like oh we didn't cover emma we didn't (laughs) oh man was it you who said emma was your favorite yes austin novel okay then i won't make fun of the person who told me emma was their favorite austin novel you can make fun of me you no i don't really want to make fun of you that just surprised me because um it was my least favorite well, but once again, I think I talked about it on the podcast yeah. that we did with Jeff, but yeah. you have to understand that I was 15, 16 years old yeah. and it was, <laughs> there was, there was some nuance that you missed. <laughs> well, yes, there was nuance that I missed, No, but also, I mean, who wouldn't want to be the pretty princess in their small town where yes, everyone and, and, and Emma thought she knew better than everyone else. And when I was 15 years old, guess what? You better believe I yes. thought I knew better than everyone else. <laughs> Definitely. Rereading it in my mid thirties. I'm sure that uh-huh. it would be a different would be a experience. Little different. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any more ideas, let me know and we'll record again. Absolutely. You're reading through your readings. Um, and thank you for this. This was fun. And yeah, thank you for so being fun. flexible because we didn't prepare at all. I'm sure that's not <laughs> apparent to anyone listening. <laughs> We just logged on and said, wait, what are we doing? Well, I logged on and said, wait, what are we doing? That's had some preparation. I, kind of, kind okay. of. I, I revisited um, Hard Times, the Wikipedia page earlier today. <laughs> so there you go. That was my prep. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, you sounded great. Thanks. You're very smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you being on. Um, okay. And thanks to everyone for listening. And, um, and, you know, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.